Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown, episode 140, is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown is Will Miles, founder of ReadAndReaction.com. You can find Will on Twitter at WillMiles. SEC and uh, Will back from vacation last week uh, to Disney, and I think you're in Orlando now, right? And uh, uh, you, you maybe uh, I'll find you at Disney later this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, unlikely. I'm I'm in an undisclosed bunker location because of all the reactions to the articles recently. But uh, nah, yeah, I got a conference I needed to come down to here for my regular job, and so I'm in Florida. So I'll be seeing a couple of people while I'm down here, and uh, bumping up to bumping up a little bit north to see my parents at some point this week too very cool uh i didn't we didn't uh it's funny we had plenty of pictures from disney and you were waiting for the matching t-shirt picture uh it didn't happen <laughs> I'm, I'm very disappointed i need to get your wife's cell phone number so i can text her about how this didn't occur but i i'm guessing she listened to the podcast and decided she wasn't going to do that to you uh maybe so uh, th- there was a day we did have the matching t-shirts on but we were so busy and uh, my daughter was off with my parents so we, we all three weren't together all of the day and then by the time we got together it was not time and all that good stuff and so uh we just kind of forgot about the picture <laughs> <laughs> hey man as long as you had a good time that's one of those things where you'll, you'll remember that she's only what is she three now uh she just turned four so Ah, she's she'll be seventeen before you know it, man. So yeah. uh, enjoy it while you can, and uh, next time you got to siphon this one off to the grandparents. That's what I try to do. <laughs> she was princess four days, so uh, that day was a, a good a good time and a lot of fun. The whole trip was so, but you know, glad to be back. And I didn't get a lot of interaction last week because I was on vacation and did want to. Uh, I was on Twitter a little bit uh, and, and talking with other people, but I was kind of concentrating on uh, spending time with the family and stuff. So uh, that's kind of. Kind of while I was out of the, the loop, and uh, as you mentioned, it, it was a busy week for us on Twitter, uh, and we'll get to that uh, in just a second. But remember, you can find all your Gators Breakdown episodes on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you will find all Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jacks sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. Follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. 
And when using their services, please rate and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. And and to those of you who have left uh, reviews on iTunes, uh, thanks so much. You know, uh, you know, it really helps the show get up there. Uh, five star rating, people will see that and uh, and check us out there. So, well, uh, without further ado, yeah, uh, set the world on fire last week <laughs> with our thoughts on the spring game. And like I said, I was on vacation, so I didn't really get a chance to go back and forth with a lot of people. Uh, we caught many by surprise with how we criticized the format, the game, uh, and, and that conversation carried uh, actually into this past weekend as well. You know, the conversation went on for about a week. Uh, some other writers questioning our, our opinions, some fans questioning our fandom. Uh, well, if we don't agree with your sentiment, don't kind of you know, don't question our fandom. Uh, even in, in doing this podcast, uh, I'm a fan first, and, and that will always be the case. Uh, but this podcast got traction because the, the fandom doesn't get in the way of uh, the objection, the the objective analysis uh, that we bring. So, I, I, you know, I wear my orange and blue just as much as the next fan. And just because I throw criticism at a spring game doesn't make me less of a fan. Uh, it may just make me a, a different kind of fan from you. So, you know, with that, I don't think any less of, of Dan Mullen because of the spring game. Uh, from the day he was hired or going into the spring game. I'm genuinely still excited to have him uh, as the head coach of Florida. I think he'll do great things. Uh, so to the fans that had a great time and enjoyed, and enjoyed what they saw at the spring game, I'm glad you did. For those who wanted to see more competition, I'm glad you spoke up as well. So yeah, I pride this podcast on, on being a fan's podcast and, and sharing different sides of an argument as much as we can. We'll do that in this episode as well. So, so all that, all, all the people out there that, that commented, argued, berated, agreed, disagreed, thank you for listening, making it fun because you make this podcast what it is. Uh, and I'm kind of off my soapbox now, Will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a diversity of opinions is good. And so that's one of the reasons I encouraged a, I encouraged a bunch of people to to write rebuttals to my to my uh, article on read and reaction. And, you know, I, I went back and listened to our podcast. I thought we were relatively fair. We were just disappointed in terms of what we saw. That's that's okay. Um, you can be disappointed. You could have had a great time. That's fine. There were plenty of people I read who had a great time too, and plenty of people who reached out and said they had a great time. But I also had people reach out to me via email or via Twitter direct message and say, hey, I agree with you, almost in a hushed tone, like they were a Trump supporter in the Democratic National Convention or something. I mean, it was like, you know, like, you know they were afraid of the blowback they were going to get. And, and it's interesting that that people have have been threatened by, you know, you, you and I having an opinion that's a little bit different than the company line, but you know, that's what we do. Like my goal with read and reaction and my goal when I come on Gators breakdown is not to be positive. It's not to be negative. It's to be truthful. And that's what I hope you feel like you're going to get from me. And that's what I know they're going to get from you fans. It just means that we're being truthful. And sometimes that truth is we feel a certain way. Sometimes we'll be right. Sometimes we'll be wrong. When we're wrong, we'll say it when we're wrong. When we're right, hopefully we don't gloat too much and annoy you. So <laughs> so anyway, you know what, man? It's all in good fun. It's just football. We're not uh, we're not deciding policy for bomb in Syria or anything like that. So uh, you know what? Everybody can have their opinions, but this blogger will still be out there writing. And, uh, you know, we'll give everybody something to talk about, I'm sure, as, uh, you know, when, when things that are positive happen, we'll let you know. When they're negative, we'll let you know. And, you know, if it's sort of in between, we don't know what to think, we'll let you know. So, um, you know, but I, I do think it's worth saying that, uh, you know, there, that if you want an honest opinion, we're not going to be shy in giving that to you. And I think there's value in that. 
Yeah, you know, and we've been pretty much positive for since Dan Mullen was hired, and you know, this may have been the the first criticism that was kind of thrown the the way of of what he's done so far. But you know, I, I didn't think it was that major. It got kind of more, it caught fire more than I ever thought it would. <laughs> I, I think that's part of it. I didn't necessarily uh, see it go that route, but it did. Uh, I'm glad we got the feedback we got. Uh, you know, just. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, gauging the, the interest in that there. But you know, it, like I said, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be about being a fan uh, with the analysis that we can throw in. So you know, it, it's uh, first of all, first of all, it's going to be fun. And the moment it's not fun is the moment I won't be doing this anymore. Uh, but you guys out there make it fun. So yeah, thanks for the communication. Thanks for the back and forth. And uh, uh, all in all, I still have more of a good time with it than anything. Oh man, it's fun. Like I. I... Oh, people can take their shots. That's fine. It is what it is. It's not like I make a living off of this. <laughs> I do this because do this it's fun to interact. I do this because I like numbers and I enjoy looking at the numbers and trying to figure out what they mean. And, you know, I'm passionate and so that I'm going to be negative because that's what the situation requires, at least in terms of what I think. But like I said, the goal is to be truthful. And, uh, you know, so it was the truth as I saw it. And, you know, you're going to get that from me. And, you know, I'm not going to be afraid to say it at this point. So uh, that's. Oh, thank you. Dropped out there a little bit, Will. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Going right now. So uh, yeah. apologize if we go in and out, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to get this done. Yep. All right. Well, so with that, uh, you know, we went through spring practice, so we were excited about Dan Mullen and, and everything that he could bring uh, to to the Florida program. And through the four weeks of practice and, and the spring game itself, uh, th there was a lot of thought out there of, of expectations and, and have they changed from what we saw those four weeks and the, and the spring game. And you know, mine really haven't changed too much. I still pretty much have Florida pegged as about a eight and four team. Uh, I went into spring hoping to see more from the quarterbacks and hoping one would take the bull by the horns and, and really impress, but we didn't get that. Uh, I did come away thinking the defense would be better than I thought. Some of the young linebackers like Rayshad Jackson and Ventral Miller make me feel better about that group. And I still feel, you know, Grantham can continue to get something out of defensive ends, the Russians that can really help cause turnovers and, and putting uh, opposing offenses in bad situations. Uh, you know, with that type of pass rush and UF secondary, I do expect turnovers to be a factor. But with still the, the major question of quarterback and, of course, offensive line to go along with that, I still can't put Florida above that eight wins uh, as it stands right now. You know, hopefully when fall and fall camp rolls around, we hear uh, of those units really improving. But as it stands now, and if using eight wins as the barometer on the surface, I'd say they're closer. And just looking at it on the surface and the quarterback worry that still scares me, I still say they're probably closer to seven wins than nine wins until I see more out of those two units that have plagued Florida so much for over the years. But then I look at the schedule and the way it sets up, and I really can see a very possible path to nine and three. And you look at that schedule, and it's a great chance for a 4-0 and start with Charleston Southern, Kentucky, Colorado State, and at Tennessee – then comes the back-to-back -back games that can make the season a great season. You know, when you go to at Mississippi State and then hosting LSU, uh, you know, that Tennessee-Mississippi State-LSU three games in a row, you know, uh, but I think you're really looking at – I think you have a chance of starting 4-0 with, you know, capping with Tennessee there. Uh, but Mississippi State and then LSU, you know, split them, and I think you're fine. 
Uh, but you know, that's the first half of the season at best. You know, uh, at best, I could see Florida six and zero. That's possible with the with the schedule. I don't think either one, none of those teams are certainly head and shoulders above Florida. Uh, I just think I see five and one. You know, there so far. Then come Bandy, Georgia. At this point, I'm at two losses on the season, as I think Georgia just has too much right now. Uh, but this is the year to get them with everything they lose. Uh, I do see Florida losing to one of Missouri or South Carolina, more than likely South Carolina, because they're going to be pretty good. And, and looking at Mullen, your first-year head coaches often lose a game they're not really supposed to. Uh, but I also think FSU gets Florida again, but just barely. And just with like Mullen, I have to see how Taggart transitions to to coaching at FSU. You know, so there's my short synopsis of an eight and four team. But you know, going through spring practice, going through those four weeks, going through the spring game not seeing what I wanted to see from the quarterback position. I wasn't expecting to get a lot of answers, but I was looking for a step forward. We still didn't really get that. So on the surface, I still say they're closer to a seven-win team. We're going back to what I said earlier, on the surface. But then looking at that schedule, it's still hard to for me, you know, with this improved defense, I can really see the team going nine and three. So my expectations not really change. I, I still say eight and four, but – you know, seven wins, nine wins. I think the schedule kind of really sets up for still for Dan Mullen to have some success in season one. Yeah, I, I can understand that analysis. I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we, we haven't seen anything yet to really know. We're just putting our faith in the fact that Mullen in the past has gotten his teams to perform up to their recruiting ranking pretty well. So I think he averaged a 27 recruiting ranking in his time at Mississippi state and they were 31st overall in the ESPN FPI. So typically his teams play up to the talent level and Florida's talent is top 15 recruiting classes average over the last four years. And so you would expect that to be around where they finish somewhere between 15th and 20th in the FPI. And that would be a nine and three team or an eight and four team. That's really what the expectation should be. Plus you have all the suspended players coming back who, who have come back to the team. So you've got some of the linebackers you didn't play last year, some of the new guys coming in. And, and certainly those are guys who Mullen picked specifically for the team and, and should be able to help out. So, no, I mean, I think I think expectations for what the season were, it was always sort of in that 15 to 20 range. I wrote earlier this year that anybody not having them in their top 25 preseason was being short-sighted. I still believe that. Um, yeah, there are just some things in the last couple of weeks I would have liked to have seen. Yeah, and well, going back and, and you know, kind of having, you know, we did our – initial reaction from the spring game uh and you know so since that time we've been able to look at it a little bit more is there anything uh, about the quarterback situation that we can put stock into that can can be seen in a positive light you know as far as you know we we've, we've talked so bad about the quarterback situation for quite some time now. And as I said, I, I look for someone and probably, you know, going into spring Felipe Franks to take that next step. You know, we had uh, a podcast going into spring about not really counting him out and how you know, Dan Mullen's system is more uh, situated to, to help a quarterback like him. We didn't get that step. Is it, are we still, are, are you still feeling the same about the quarterback situation going into spring as coming out of it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I stand by the quarterback breakdowns that I did as as the best marker of what we can expect out of the quarterbacks. I mean, I think that is a much more representative look at what the quarterbacks are capable of than than anything we would have seen during spring practices, spring scrimmages, or or the spring game. Um, you know, that that's the reality. You look at what they have on tape. That's what we're going to get, and that's 
okay for Felipe Franks to blow okay if you look at last year's film. You think Mullen gives him some improvement? Okay, well, then he's bordering on sort of acceptable. I don't think he's going to be like an All-American or anything like that based on what we've seen thus far. Kyle Trask has pretty limited film, but it's been impressive in, in the games that he's played, but it's been blowouts. Um, you know, Joe Burrow is somebody that I'm still sort of hoping that Urban Meyer <laughs> kicks out the door. Just, I mean, it's it's nice to have another guy in the quarterback room if you can bring him in at this point. And, and based on some of the high school stats I look at and things like that. I think he's a good option. And then obviously everybody knows I'm a Tony Homer, but, uh, but he's going to be wide receiver. And so that's not, it's not really a possibility. You know, the one thing we did talk about last week and, and, and I think we were relatively positive about was Emory Jones and that he looked pretty good out there. And with his running ability, you can see a scenario where Emory Jones would take over early in the season. And that might be a real positive thing for Florida. And maybe you sacrifice one of those games earlier to get him in and get the experience that you're looking for. But, uh, you know, I, he's got some talent. There's no doubt about that. But you can say the same thing about Franks. The question is, is he going to be able to execute the offense and execute it well? And we don't have any data that suggests that, that that's the case. But, you know, it's a blank slate with somebody like Jones, and he's somebody that I'd be interested in, in really paying attention to. If he, if he came out and won the starting job in the fall, that would be pretty intriguing. Yeah, and, I, and looking at this another way, and if somebody asked me the question if, you know, looking at, and I said, an eight and four type of season. But the thing with that is I don't really think it matters who the quarterback is <laughs> for eight and four. Um, if it's Trask, I can see eight and four. If it's Franks, I can see eight and four. Uh, you know, if one is one of those guys head and shoulder better than the other one, not right now. That's not what we see. Now we're going to fall camp and we see, you know, when we really, and, you know, what we see or hear from that is, you know, kind of, not worth much until we see the guy play in game one against Charleston Southern and even not so much then you know you go to game two against Kentucky and that's kind of you I and that Colorado State game uh is where you know that's not a cupcake power five opponent so I think you know starting with Kentucky Colorado State and Tennessee I think you'll get a good handle on the quarterback situation at Florida but you know right as I if I had to pick right now I don't think Franks or Trask offer more wins over the other guy I don't know that we can say either way, right? It's, it's yeah. really, I mean, I, I think the fact that you basically say it's eight and four with essentially what we're assuming is mediocre quarterback play yeah, is, is really what you're saying, right? Is that your, your expectation is mediocre quarterback play, regardless of who's in their quarterback. Now, if a guy comes in and plays, you know, borderline elite, well, now the team can go mm-hmm. nine and three, 10 and two, and you have that possibility. I mean, it's just like all, just like it has for the past eight or nine years. It's going to hinge on the defense, and and that's some that's something that there are still some areas that that need improvement. I mean, if you look at some of the recruiting um, that McElwain did under his regime, we can we can talk about that, especially at the linebacker position. Um, you know, yeah, there are some guys there who look like they are positive changes from last year, but it doesn't mean that the situation's solved. And so I don't think we can expect this to be one of those defenses like 2015 or 2016. So the offense is going to have to put up a few points. And so even if the quarterbacks take a small step forward, it's going to have to offset the defense not being that elite top 10 unit like it's been, um, you know, until last year at least. And, and so we'll see whether they can do that or not. Well, I think, you know, using the number eight, for over and under is kind of dangerous because I think most people have pegged Florida as an eight win team. Uh, I think that that seems to be the kind of consensus uh, out, out there. So, you know, if we used, you know, seven and a half, where would you go over or under that? I'd probably go under. Yeah. I think there's a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. I'm not sure that they'll be able to keep the quarterback upright. 
Um, you know, we, we saw a lot of, we saw a lot of pressure in that spring game. Now, granted it was, it was split squads and all that sort of stuff, but we saw first team offensive linemen getting beat and uh, getting beat relatively often. And so, you know, are they going to be able to keep him upright? History says that's going to be an issue. They haven't been able to keep him upright the last, really since the season that Driscoll broke his ankle is the last time I can remember the season before is the last time I can remember a Gator quarterback who started the season actually ending it. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, uh, we'll see how that progresses and see whether they can keep the quarterback healthy. Uh, but if you can't keep him healthy, even if he's playing well, even if he wins the job, it's going to be a problem. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with that. And and really, to me, you know, people have pointed to the running backs as being the key to the offense. Well, if that's true, then the offensive line is going to have to play well because those are all integrated. Those are all correlated, right? And so uh, and so we'll see. But I think that's really where some of the progress and where Hevesy is going to earn his money because because uh, that's where we're going to have to see some improvement if the quarterback play is is you know just average. If that if that's what we get from the quarterbacks, then I I take under seven and a half based on what I've seen from the offensive line thus far. Yeah, it's it kind of funny when you said, I think it was that 2012 season uh, when Driscoll did start and finish the season, but didn't he, like Jacksonville State, didn't he miss that game? <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, <laughs> haven't had, we, haven't had, we haven't had a quarterback healthy every year since. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, or every uh, game it's unreal. And, you know, I'm not going to pin all that on the offensive line either, but you're right. When they, those guys get hit time and time again, uh, you know, some of them have just been bad luck and, and, and bad breaks, but it's uh that it, it is a crazy stat for Florida to go back and look at you know not one quarterback has started every game of the season well I mean geez we were down to Skylar Morinwick at one point <laughs> I mean if that happens this year we're gonna have like Jalen Jackson in there playing because yeah. I mean they don't they only got they only got the three guys so um with, with Jake Allen transferring out so yeah. you know we'll see what happens I, I you know, I, I think eight is probably right. If you put it at seven and a half, I'm going to take the under just based on what I've seen. It doesn't mean I'd be surprised if they win nine. I'd be really surprised if they win 10 because that really probably means the quarterback's taking a major step forward. And you would have thought we would have seen something like that during the spring or we would have heard something like that during the spring. We haven't heard that. So, you know, but hey, maybe one of the guys really takes a step up and takes all the things he learned during spring camp and comes into fall really, really way ahead of everybody else. And then if that's the case, then that's great. Yep, and Will, I got a question. Uh, not too long before uh, we, you know, before we came on uh, came on air here uh, from Scott Sweat, and he goes, uh, "So you're talking about expectations here?" And he goes, "He keeps seeing where Mississippi State uh, new coach is expected to win more games than Mullen in year one. Uh, are they saying that talent at Mississippi State is better than Florida, or that Moorhead is a much better?" Coach, and I, I only had a few minutes to kind of think about this. You know, kind of off the top of my head, uh, Mississippi State is going to be good in spots that you have to be good in. They got Fitzgerald at quarterback, and if he comes back healthy, uh, they can be really good. Uh, his backup, Keaton Thompson, showed flashes last season, especially when Fitzgerald went down. Uh, he played the last two games of the season against uh, Ole Miss and, and the bowl game. Uh, so he showed flashes last season. And, Will, and you, you know, you, you talk. You, you brought up a good point about this. They have a – and just in general in college football, but they have a really good defensive front that will keep them in games with Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweats. You know, those guys are elite SEC defensive linemen uh, by what they've shown so far and will carry Mississippi State. Uh, so they, they have a lot of close games. I, I think they'll have a lot of close games because they'll lean on the run game so much from the quarterback and the running backs and their defensive line will control games. So in those two possessions, I think – 
in those two positions, I think they're better than Florida, certainly a quarterback and the defensive line. I, I really like what they got there a lot too, but for sure I'd say Florida has better receivers, running backs, uh, and a better secondary. So and I say probably just off the top of my head on the surface of it, they're pretty even uh, everywhere else. And then Mullen did a really good job of setting that team up this year. So if he was still at Mississippi State, I, I don't know what the expectation would be. Would it be second in the SEC West behind Alabama? You know, probably fighting tooth and nail with Auburn uh, a second. So I think with Moorhead coming in, they're probably definitely pegged third or fourth in the West uh, behind Alabama and Auburn. But if Mullen had stayed at Mississippi State and what they have coming back, I think you'd see a lot of picks uh, of them being being second in the West. Maybe. I, I think that would probably be a little bit aggressive based on what we've seen from, from recruiting and all that sort of stuff. I, I think on a pure talent standpoint, Florida has more talent than Mississippi State. I think there might be a few more elite guys, especially with CeCe Jefferson out on the defensive line, at least for some amount of time. Um, it sounds like he'll be back for fall camp, and if that's mm-hmm. true, then great. But um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, really, this is, this is the old New England Patriots thing, right? I mean, the Patriots win every year because Tom Brady's their quarterback. The Colts used to win every year because Peyton Manning was the quarterback. I'm not saying Nick Fitzgerald is Brady or Peyton Manning, but I'm saying compared to the Florida quarterbacks, at least the track record, he's significantly better. And so you look at that and say, okay, if you've got a team with top 25 talent and a team with top 15 talent, but the team with the top 25 talent has a better quarterback, well, who would you pick? Right <laughs> in a in a head to head matchup, and that's really what they're saying is they're saying yeah. that that Florida Mississippi State game in Starkville, um, the expectation is that Mississippi State's going to win that game. I I don't necessarily see that. I think uh, I think out of all the games that Mullen's going to come in extra amped for, that's probably one of them, um, and his players will probably feel that. And and the players yeah, are you got to think Mississippi State's players will be too there. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, I, I can see that, but it, it's not one of those things where you beat somebody and you come in and you and it's a let down game right it's it's not like this is after the georgia game and hey they played georgia close or by some miracle they beat georgia and then they're coming into coming into starkville and get caught it's not going to be something like that you know have tennessee the week before but like you said with the connection of mississippi state there there's no there's no drop off there I mean, they, they, they'll be they'll be amped up for it. So you're going to get an even. You're going to get teams that are equally committed and equally focused. And when you do that, Florida has more talent, but there's the gap at quarterback. And so the question is, how how close can Florida make that gap over the next three, four, five months before that game takes place? And if they close that gap significantly, Mississippi State's going to lose. If they don't close the gap, then Mississippi State will win. Yep, so I got to find it here, Will. But um, we'll go ahead and, and move on, and also. Well, since we're talking expectations here, uh, expectations on the recruiting trail. Uh, and Will, in your latest article, you took a look into the 2019 class recruiting at this stage for Dan Mullen. Uh, and there are some reasons for worry and there are some reasons for optimism. So for, uh, right now, as it stands for this 2019 class. Yeah, it's funny. Everybody today seemed to think I was being negative about about the recruiting. And I mean, I, I feel like I was just presenting the facts. So one of the things I started out doing was looking and I looked at a bunch of five stars over the last three years. I looked at all the five stars over the last three years. So 87 players and said, OK, when did they commit? And 24 of them committed prior to May 1st. So about so 28% of those guys committed before May 1st, which means that we haven't even gotten to May 1st yet. And there's still 72% of the guys out there, you would think, who are out there eligible to, to conceivably consider Florida. So there's no reason to panic at this point because 
there are all those guys who haven't committed. And, and based on some other stuff I've done, I think this is probably pretty representative of the four-star crop as well. Um, with that said, when you look at where Florida is today, they're behind. And whether they're behind because this is Mullen's first first real class where he's at Florida, or whether they're behind because Mullen's lagging behind in recruiting, or whether they're behind because the recruiting rankings don't accurately reflect the talent evaluation is irrelevant. When you look at the actual statistics, they're behind. So Florida State has 10 recruits. Seven of them are ranked higher than Florida, at least on the 24-7 composite, seven of them are ranked higher than Florida's highest rated recruit. Alabama has eight recruits, eight of them are ranked higher than Florida's. Georgia has seven. Seven of them are rated higher than Florida's recruits. So they're getting, like, at least at this early stage, Florida is behind. That is the reality. Now, we can ignore it. We can say, oh, you know, today ESPN went and and upgraded some of Florida's recruits, which is true. And Mullen has proven to be a very good evaluator of talent when he's been at Mississippi State. I don't doubt that. However, when you look at a recruiting class as a whole, you have to take into account the fact that Georgia has like three of the top 13 guys in the country. And so bringing in guys who are ranked 200, 250, and 300 is great, but it's not competitive with Georgia. And and that's sort of what I was saying towards the end of the article is, you know, there is reason for concern because Florida needs to, needs to have top three classes to compete for national championships. And that's what Mullen has said the standard is. He said the standard is not just SEC championships, it's national championships. And if that's true, he's going to have to beat Georgia and he's going to have to beat Alabama. And he's going to have to beat Florida State on the recruiting trail as well as on the field. Yeah, and also, you know, what you said in there, just because there's concern – is still not reason for panic. You know, I don't concern is not panic uh, at, at this point in time. And as you said, this is as it stands now. There's still time uh, to figure all this out. You know, and as you said, we actually saw some movement today. Uh, you know, four to seven commits or four stars on ESPN. Uh, but I still mostly go by the 24 seven sports composite. And that's where Jalen Jones is the only four star committed uh, right now. Got his four star uh, today. But we do have some camps coming up, spring evaluations for coaches and recruiting resurfaces uh, will update. Of course, there's a season uh, still to be played uh, as well. And will and a lot of pushback so far, definitely. Uh, that we've seen so far is, uh, is we have to see what kind of product Dan Mullen puts on the field to see a bump in recruiting. Uh, it wasn't in your article, but you have said on here that the optics of Florida football do matter. And I do think the optic of the trend of bad offensive play for so many seasons does contribute in some way uh, to the difficulty of recruiting. Uh, and I think in this case of Mullen, many want to compare him to, to Kirby Smart and what he did at Georgia in his first year coaching and then his second you know, bump class. Uh, and as you pointed out, he had six commits before May 1st, five of whom were top 200 players. Uh, he then signed eight players prior to December 1st and another 10 before signing day. So Kirby Smart was able to sell before the season, during the season and after the season. Uh, and I think a, a couple of reasons for that is he wasn't dealing with a, a trend of putrid offense for, for many seasons in a row. Uh, was playing a, a true freshman quarterback in Jacob Eason that was showing you know some promise, had 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 the, uh, the five-star hype, uh, one of the top players in the nation's hype. Uh, and plus, you know, I, not to throw shade at anybody, but Kirby Smart's just a darn good recruiter. <laughs> and he, you know, he already had great relationships with recruits that he was recruiting to Alabama and could now sell them on Georgia. So, you know, Mullen's already behind on caliber of player going into the summer months, but it could be, uh, you know, it could be the season where if Florida shows promise on the field, then the elite targets start taking notice and want to come. 
you know, I mentioned that this Florida schedule earlier, and there's plenty of time early in the schedule to show promise against good teams. You know, Tennessee may not be a good team, but it's a team that still gets noticed. You know, you go to Knoxville and look impressive, then follow that up with a road win at Mississippi State uh, the, the next week after that. Then the wheels get in motion. But I think, we, you know, we, we can all look at that – go back and look at that 2015 Ole Miss moment. And, you know, where U.S. showed promise before and then blew the lid off. And that game could be when LSU visits on October 6th. You know, that game is always hype. Uh, if Florida's showing promise, and you know that game will be lined up with recruits and targets being a big home game, and if Dan Mullen can get his team to play the way he got Mississippi State to pound LSU like they did last year, that could be when, you know, the recruiting floodgates open. So, you know, you know kind of combining that and, and kind of looking at it, you know, there's I believe, and I've kind of thought this, there's two types of recruiters, guys who can sell vision and, and guys who can sell results. You know, Spurrier wasn't a, a big-time in-your-face recruiter, but, you know, he let his on-the-field results do most of the talking for him. Uh, and now, you know, eventually the great recruiters are able to sell both. And I'm in the mind that great recruiters, most of the time, are just great recruiters. They're just, you know, they, they know what to do. They know how to sell a vision, and they go just recruit. But I do think the optics of Gator football – from the putrid offense that we've seen for years now, it hurts a little bit. And I think Mullen right now is more of a show results type of recruiter. Yeah, this is where I take a little bit of umbrage with some of the people who criticized us about our spring game review. Um, in that before we said optics matter, I think that's true. And so we were critical because we thought it was important that Florida put their best foot forward and the first and the first showing of this new Dan Mullen regime. Hey, let's go out there and show that the offense is really taking a step forward, or at least show that we're going to be aggressive on offense and we're going to go out there and check it downfield. Um, and if you struggle, people say, hey, you know, that it's all part of the learning process, but at least it's not at least it's not fake. That was sort of my biggest complaint there. And now you've got those same people who complained about our spring game review now saying that, well, Mullen just needs to show it on the field and then the recruits will come. Well, which one is it? Because it's not consistent. Either you need to show it on the field. Now you can say, oh, it's just the spring game. It's just a spring game. But that was an opportunity to show people what you had and you decided to pass it up. And so that was my criticism is you used an opportunity to practice, used an opportunity to show people what you got to have fun. And that may turn out to be the right thing to do. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not plugged in enough with the system to be able to tell you that, but it was an opportunity to show results on the field and you didn't do it. And now you're coming back and saying, well, don't criticize the, don't criticize the recruiting because we need to show what's going to happen on the field. Oh, okay. Um, the other thing you said there is, you know, the reality is Kirby smarts, Georgia. And you can say, oh, well, he's a great recruiter. Oh, oh, oh. And use and say, you know, we can't compare Mullen to him, but Mullen has to beat him. And so you have to compare him to Kirby Smart. You have to compare him to Nick Saban because to win the SEC championship and to win national championships, he's going to have to beat those guys. And if you look at Georgia, and I know people were pointing out the ESPN upgrades in Florida's recruits today. And, and I, hey, I'm happy that those guys are four stars now. It's a, it's a good step in the right direction. But Georgia has three of the top 18 guys in this year's ESPN 300 who were verbally committed. They had four of the top 15 in 2017. They had seven of the top 25 in 2018. Bama has five of the top 100 this year. Florida State has four of the top 120. Florida has two in the top 300. That's where we are right now. It doesn't mean it's where we're going to end up. It doesn't mean their floodgates won't open. A lot of Florida's targets 
just aren't committing until December and January. And again, that was part of the article is that's when those guys start to start to really start to really commit. And so January 1st is when you really start to take a look at this stuff and say, is it important? However, it's kind of like being, if you're, if you're watching the masters and the guy's five strokes down, but he's only down to one guy. All right. He can probably catch up to him. If he's five strokes down and there's 17 guys in front of him, well, one of the guys is going to shoot a 65. He's got no shot. And so that's kind of, you know, if Georgia closes strong, the gap gets wider. And for the last four seasons, Georgia has averaged 17 and a half blue chips. According to the 24 seven composite, Florida has averaged nine over the last four years. So when you look at that, Georgia is, if Georgia gets any coaching at all, any development at all, they can afford a ton of attrition because they've brought in an unbelievable amount of talent. And so for people saying that Florida just needs to show it on the field, well, what happens if they go out there and all that talent at Georgia just rolls them over? Like, what are you going to say at that point? Like, at some point, you have to you have to push the vision. It's a chicken or the egg thing. If you go out and you lose, you're not going to get the recruits. You got to get the recruits to win. So really, you got to sort of sell that vision to start with. And again, this isn't a criticism of of Mullen today. I don't think there's any reason to panic. I just think it's it's a realistic assessment of where we are today. It's a realistic assessment of the conference that Mullen has decided to come in and coach. And it's a realistic assessment of someone who came in and set these expectations. People keep accusing me of having unrealistic expectations. He's the one who said SEC championships aren't good enough. We need national championships. And when you look at national championship recruiting, you have to have, in the, for the most part, a top four or a top, well, from 2006 to 2016, this was rivals rankings because back when I did this, it was a while ago. But every team that won a national championship had a top four class nationally. Two of them, everybody had a top two class except for two, and that was Clemson in 2016 and then Auburn in 2010. And Auburn had Cam Newton as the quarterback, as a, as a transfer, and Clemson had Deshaun Watson, who, when you look at his college stats, was a transcendent quarterback. So if Florida has a transcendent quarterback, I will, I will defer to people and say that top 10 recruiting classes might be enough to win the national championship. But until they have that guy, they need top three. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not sure I ever really expected a top three finish, and that's just because I don't expect it with it. I don't expect it with the Florida brand right now, with whoever the head coach is. Uh, you, you know, can you can you get that high right now with Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, Clemson out there? Now, I do absolutely expect the top ten finish, uh, and you know, if you ask me right now, I'm saving around seventh or so. You know, and at that point, uh, you know, you do have to get you know probably couple spots higher uh, when you're looking at you know, kind of what you're saying when you look at, you know, going in like a four-year period. Uh, but, you know, I think you get around seven, six, you know, fifth, somewhere around that point, you know, for, for cycles, uh, continuous cycles, you know, while you're a little bit behind the top tier, I expect coaching to be the difference on the field then. And as you said, you know, a lot of it's still finding a quarterback. And if you can find a transcendent quarterback, as you said, then I definitely agree. You don't have to necessarily be a top one, two or three, a recruit year in and year out. But now I do think you get around that sixth, seventh range. I think you're close enough to where some coaching can kind of be the difference on the field then. Well, we're going to have to hope so because yeah. that's pretty that's pretty much where I think they're going to end up. And, and that's okay. It's, it's not – 
it's not anything terrible to end up sixth or seventh. I know Bill has talked a lot about being top three in the conference. I think that's very, very important. I mean, maybe you're conceding that Alabama and Georgia are going to out-recruit you at least in year one, but LSU and Auburn and Mississippi State cannot. And, and that's the reality. So a top 10 class in many conferences is great. If you're in the ACC and you have a top 10 class, that probably means you're second in the conference. Yep. And Florida State and Clemson just sort of flip every other year. One of them is sixth and one of them is ninth or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but here's the thing. You have Miami there now. now you, well, you do. And so yep. what you're going to find is that Clemson is going to have to see an uptick in the recruiting to consistently win the ACC, whereas they didn't have to do that before. Same thing with Fuente at Virginia Tech. If he starts bringing the recruiting up at Virginia Tech, you're going to see one more competitor in the ACC starting to make some noise. So, But I mean, it, it's nothing compared to the SEC. I mean, the right. SEC, darn near every every program is in the top 25 <laughs> every year. And so from a recruiting perspective, from a talent perspective, there's no doubt that the SEC has more talent than anybody else. And really to be a top three conference, you top three in conference, you probably need to be fifth or sixth nationally um, just based on the way things typically, typically break out. So um, we'll see. I mean, so at the swamp thing uh, tweeted at me today, he said he looked at the top 500 players in the 24 seven composite and he counted 56 who were interested in Florida. And so to make this class, what I would consider top tier, you need 18 of those guys which means Mullen has to hit on 32% of those targets. And we'll see if he can do it. If he can, I'll come on here and mea culpa. I doubted you back <laughs> back, back, in, back in April and everybody told me I was wrong and I'm wrong and, and we'll see where we end up. But I, I think I think we're probably looking somewhere between seventh or eighth. That's not, it's not terrible, but a lot of it depends on where the other SEC SEC teams end up as well. I do think that it needs to be top three in the conference to be considered successful. All right, Will, so it was a hot topic and, and thought out there today. So I did throw up a poll. And I, is, it, is it too early to be worried about recruiting for the 2019 recruiting class for the Gators? And out of 824 votes, 72% said it's too early to worry, 28% starting to get worried. So uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of feedback uh, on this one. So there might be too many tweets here, but uh, you guys, you know, took the time to, to send a, a, you know, send them to us. So I'll get to as much uh, as many as I can. Tony Agalini uh, says, I'm not a recruiting guy at all, but if I was a 17, 18 year old kid, I would want to see some proof on the field this season before I commit to a new staff taking over after a four and seven season. Um, uh, Aaron Hodges says, I've been saying the same thing since the day he was hired. Then when he let Cider go, I began to worry a little more. The staff doesn't the staff doesn't have a lots out state of Florida recruiter and you need at least three, in my opinion. So Will, you know, right there, you know, two two opposite ends of the spectrum right there. <laughs> well again, a diversity of opinions. And that's yep. what we're gonna get in April because there's no games. <laughs> so, uh, so, so really what this proves is that anyone who just says that the other side is wrong doesn't know what they're talking about because, <laughs> because we're divided 70-30 and it's probably the same way with the spring game stuff. So uh, so enjoy. Yeah. The, opinion, the opinions are great. We love it. Uh, Matthew Christian uh, agreed with Tony. He said Tony is on the money. If Florida can go 8-4 and four this year with Emory getting meaningful playing time and other recruits getting plugged in and playing quickly would go a long way with recruiting. Uh, Pi May go at Go Gators for life. Uh, it was my biggest concern with the hire. He can't keep taking three-star kids. He's not going to compete at UF with the same talent as Mississippi State. But so far, that all seems capable of landing. Um, 
Uh, Lake City Gator, even more reason to be concerned. We are making Max recruiting look desirable at the moment. What makes it worse is that our rivals are running circles around us. It has to get better fast. Uh, Dustin Woolbright, when it's 10 months before National Signing Day, it's absolutely too early to worry about it. Too much can happen in the future for fans to let their McElwain PTSD uh, to get them worked up. <laughs> maybe that's what it is, man. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm punchy from the uh, from the McElwain era. I, I got burned on him pretty bad because I, you know, I, I defended him probably longer than most people did. I thought he was a really good in-game we both coach. Did. Yeah. At least, at least for the first two years, I thought he was. I thought he was a pretty good in-game coach. I thought he was going to get a fourth year until stuff really started to get screwy. But you know, I mean, all that strength and conditioning stuff. It feels like a lot of the media knew that was going on and we didn't hear about it till after he was gone. Same thing with him not really getting along with Strickland. All that stuff came out after that. If I'd, if I'd have known that he wasn't getting along with anybody in the program, <laughs> if I'd have known that the guys were going to Planet Fitness on, on Sundays to work <laughs> out, I would have had a different opinion of the guy. So uh, so maybe it is. It's, it's my McElwain PTSD. That's what it is. So <laughs> I'll try to put a positive spin on the next one so people could say I've been healed. Uh, Seth Kegley, uh, if UF wasn't getting a lot of guys on campus and didn't have a new buzz going on recruits, then I would be worried. But it sounds like there is a lot of interest in Florida when most of the top guys just have to close the deal. Kato uh, Kupta, uh, another overreaction before the season has even happened. Mississippi State is not the same pedigree that Florida is. With that being said, we have to earn our way back, and Mullen will show progress from the mess he was gifted, and the recruits will come. I'm not worried. Uh, and then, well, I took some from, uh, you know, you having, uh, thoughts you, uh, sent your way about your article. So I, I took some from that as well. Uh, Nathan Thayer, he goes, solid info, good read. Uh, it's still early, as you mentioned in the article, I think Mullen will close on some top end talent, but I don't think we crack top three. I think UF will sit somewhere between seven and 10 ranked recruiting class, which I am okay with. We've seen worse with McElwain. Uh, Sean Steed, I was hoping for a Trey Sanders commit to get the ball rolling at the spring game. Still a lot of time, though. Matt got all these commits at Friday Night Lights. We have plenty of time. And a few more here uh, at uh, Low Key 850. Uh, the staff is mediocre on the trail, and that's clear at the moment. Whenever uh, you get pushed in by a guy who's three games below 500 on the trail, that's not a good sign going forward. I think he's talking about Willie Taggart there. Uh, it's a long time until January, but I'll be surprised if we finish top 10. Um, no relation at Stink Meaner 229. Um, Mullen and Taggart was being compared when both got hired from a win-loss perspective and who got the better offense. No excuses for Mullen's class to be that far behind Taggart since the numbers favored Mullen. Uh, Will, and that's a point I want to bring up about Taggart, and you know, I've kind of shared this. You know, when we were – Going through the Florida coaching search, Willie Tiger's name was brought up uh, a lot for the Florida coaching job uh, as well. You know, and then Florida goes Dan Mullen, Florida State goes with Willie Taggart. And, you know, part of the reasons Tiger's name was brought up was because of the relationships he had in the state of Florida from his time at South Florida uh, and you know, his recruiting prowess. And, 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 you know, and also kind of turning that program around. He went to Oregon, was recruiting the state of Florida really well out there at Oregon as well. So uh, honestly, it's no surprise to me to see how good Willie Taggart is recruiting. Uh, you know, yes, there is some catch up for Mullen to do uh, at the moment, but, you know, uh, I don't necessarily, you know, uh, you know, it, seeing FSU and Taggart have the success they're having on the trail right now is actually just kind of, it, it's no surprise to me, honestly. Yeah. I mean, something can be true and completely irrelevant. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of the day, Mullen has to beat Taggart on the field and in recruiting. And you're always going to be competing against people who have different kinds of relationships. I mean, you could say the same thing about Kirby Smart. He's got stronger relationships in the state of Georgia than Mullen does. You say the same thing about Nick Saban. He's got stronger relationships in the state of Alabama than Mullen does. It doesn't matter. He has to beat them. And if he doesn't beat them, then he's, then he's not going to be around for very long. That doesn't mean that I'm saying after a year he's going to be gone. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying the reality is when you're a head coach in the SEC at a blue blood program, and your fans expect you to like winning the SEC East is not good enough. Like that, that was made abundantly clear to Jim McElwain and is that that's not good enough. And so, you know, he's going to have to outperform these guys and eventually he's going to have to outperform them on, uh, on the recruiting trail as well. Otherwise what will end up being is the Auburn of the East. And so, I mean, Auburn's won national championships recently. They've had very good teams recently. But if you look at their performance against Alabama, they have been they have been dominated by Alabama over over the last ten years, ever since Saban took over. Um, I don't have the stats with me right now. I meant to bring them, but uh, basically, it, Alabama outscored Auburn by more than hundred points ever since Saban took over in in that entire uh, in that in that Iron Bowl rivalry. And that's what's going to happen to Florida and Georgia if Florida doesn't pick things up. And that's what's happened in the Florida Florida State rivalry over the last four or five years is Florida State has just run ran roughshod over Florida because they've had more talent. And you know, last year was a perfect example where both quarterbacks struggled. I mean, both quarterbacks were bad. And 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 two years ago, it was the same thing. And Florida had an opportunity to win, just couldn't do it. A few years ago, when Jameis Winston was throwing interceptions every two times he dropped back, Florida wasn't able to take advantage. And so the offensive futility and the lack of talent and the lack of development, quite honestly, on that side of the ball has really hindered Florida over the last few years. And, and it's going to continue to so long as the recruiting doesn't pick up. So it's going to have to or – the fans will be unhappy. Yeah, and I think that's just more of what I was pointing to, and I couldn't really get to my thought was, I just think that kind of caters to why there's such a fast start under Taggart for FSU. You know, the, 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 they're already having relationships. They're already recruiting the state at Oregon. You know, he had an, he had an ability to say, hey, I'm at Florida State now. You don't have to go all the way across country. You can just come right down the road. Uh, so, you know, that, like you said, it would definitely eventually have to change. You could, that's not an excuse for forever uh, for, for Mullen. You know, I think, you know, I think, you know, FSU's recent success on the field and Tiger's recent uh, time in the state of Florida at USF recruiting the state uh, for Oregon, I think, you know, can kind of play a, a role in for the, the fast start uh, for FSU there. Um Sway be swaying. Uh, just a couple, a few more thoughts here uh, since you guys sent them. I'll get to them. Uh, people are getting ridiculous. It's April. The first signing day isn't till December. Relax, people. Hashtag let Mullen work. Uh, Jessica B. Definitely feel like it's way too early to start panicking. We haven't even played an actual game yet. There's still a lot of buzz around the program. So I guess until that dies down, I remain optimistic. Uh, Charlie O depends on expectations. If you expect the top five class, it's time to be worried. If you expect the top 10 or top 15, there's plenty of time. Uh, Matthew Christian, uh, I don't, I don't think Will is totally wrong here, but I will say this, the Gators brand and program has never been lower than it is right now. Mullen has to battle that and never coaching a game as the head coach here too. Uh, and that's it. So, well, definitely, uh, we hit on both sides there. Uh, the poll was definitely slanted into its uh, – it was slanted way more into uh, it's definitely not time to start panicking. But, you know, you read the comments there and you get them from both sides. 
Well, and I don't think it's time to panic either. <laughs> I don't. I think that by the time January 1st comes around, we will have a much better idea of where this class stands. I think it's going to be a struggle to get the class into the top three. I think it's really going to take some special recruiting by Mullen to get this into a top three class. But if you look at what Florida coaches have done in the past, their second, their bump class has been top three. So Zook was number one, Meyer was number two, Muschamp was number three, and McIlwain was number 12. And if you look at Zook, he had six five stars, Meyer had three, Muschamp had three, McIlwain had zero. And so, you know, it seems like based on where we are right now, that Mullen is probably going to be in between Zook, Meyer, and Muschamp and McIlwain. He won't be as bad as McIlwain. He won't be as good as those other guys. Um, and so his coaching acumen is going to have to show on the field. And I think people are right that when you see performance on the field, when you see the offense put up 45 against a real opponent, um, then the perception starts to change and people say, yeah, I can see myself going there. Um, it, it is what it is. I mean, like I said, I'd, the whole point of the article is to say, don't panic yet. But the reason I wrote the article is I had people messaging me asking, should I panic? And And it sort of came from the standpoint of, well, when did – when did Urban Meyer start to get recruits? And you look at it and Percy Harvin and Tim Tebow and, and Brandon Spikes all signed in that early December, early January timeframe. And so the, the, at no point am I saying you need to panic. What I am saying is that you look at it right now and you're behind. And when you look at the coaches who were in the SEC at the time Urban Meyer was putting together that class, it was significantly less star-studded than it is now. So Phil Fulmer and Steve Spurrier were probably the best coaches in the East. There were some guys I didn't even remember had been coaches. Rich Brooks at Kentucky. Um, you know, Stoops may not have that as an elite program, but he certainly um, certainly has it in a much better status than Rich Brooks does or Rich Brooks did. So. Um, there's work to do. I, I don't think anybody would doubt that. I mean, I think objectively, when you look at the facts, Florida's behind today. That doesn't mean they'll be behind in February, and that's really what counts. But I think it's fair to take a look at it and say, all right, at what point do we need to start getting concerned? And so, you know, people can start sending me Xanax come, uh, come August or September, man. <laughs> well, this is what we get when we talk recruiting in April, but it has to be done. <laughs> Again, people people are asking me the question. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, believe you know, I've, got, I've gotten it too. Yep. You know, I mean – you guys are asking the question and we're trying our best to answer the questions in an objective way using data, but also using sort of our perception in terms of where the program is and where it's headed. And, and I'm not willing to just say, oh, well, let's just trust the process. I mean, you know, I believe that the pr that process is more important than your day-to-day -day results. Again, that's one of the reasons I was disappointed that they just gave up a practice for the spring game is that, you know, that practice can be important. Of course, you could make the argument. This was actually the most convincing argument somebody made to me was that having fun was part of that process, that you had to you had to give the guys a break. You had to sort of lighten the mood. I can actually buy that. Like, hey, OK, if that's part of the process, if that helps get buy in from the players, if that helps get buy in from recruits, if that helps get buy in from the alumni and the fans. That's great. Okay, now we're there. Well, okay, so recruiting, it's all process. So what does the process look like? They've had plenty of guys on campus. At some point, they're going to have to close them, and we'll see whether they can do that in December or January. But, you know, th this didn't just come out of left field. This came because fans are starting to get a little bit on edge about it. And so the question is, should they be? And I think, I think there's reason to be concerned, but I don't think there's reason to be massively worried. Um, but at the same time, when you see other programs sort of, sort of jumping out there early, it, it does, it does cause people to be a little bit uneasy. Yep. Uh, well, what you, uh, you working on something next for uh, readingreaction.com? 
I don't know, man. I'm probably I got to find something else to tick off the fan base, apparently. So, uh, so I'll probably write about how I want to like you know do something evil to puppies or something. Just to <laughs> you might get plenty of feedback from this one too, where you can just throw another uh, uh, reaction article up. <laughs> uh, you know, I look. If we're not willing to listen to other people and listen to their opinions and yep. say, hey, I, I agree or I disagree, and here's why on a factual basis, if all we're going to do is throw out attacks and say, you know, oh, you're just a blogger or say, oh, you know, you're just, you're lying to people because you, you need access, like whatever, like that's, it doesn't get us anywhere. I mean, come after the ideas. If the ideas are, are flawed, then that's fine. I'll revise them. I'm, I am not immune to being wrong. I'm wrong all the time. My wife reminds me of that all the time. <laughs> So, you know, come at me with facts and I'll be happy to, I'll be happy to take a look at it. And if I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. Yeah. And I kind of want to extend on what you were saying about, uh, you know, it being in the plan uh, to have fun. And, you know, I, I did think about that a little bit as well. And, you know, going back to Mullen's press conference, his hiring press conference. And he said, you know, when, when January rolls around, it's not going to be fun anymore. You know, when we hit that strength of conditioning, it's not going to be fun anymore. So, you know, from, from, from January to the spring game, you know, maybe it was, you know, uh, the grind and, you know, and, and getting the body right and getting the mind right and, and, and all about football and all about getting that process of it. And for one day, Mullen wanted to go and, and let it loose, you know, and, you know, and, and it's like I said, I was never blaming him for what took place. It just wasn't what I expected. So, you know, we can, uh, we can all move on from that now. <laughs> <laughs> Until he sets some more expectations. I mean, you know, he, he's the one who said the Gator standard is, did we push ourselves to be the absolute best we can be and take ourselves to become the absolute best we could be. And then talking about the expectations that Florida said, I understand those expectations. I embrace those expectations. And I guess this might sound crazy, but I probably have higher expectations for our football program than anybody else. So I have high expectations for what he's going to do. I have high expectations for how he's going to deliver for the program. And so if he has those expectations, he'll have no problem with anything I've said. Well, this episode was about expectations. So there we go. They're still high. <laughs> They're still high from everywhere. Hey, man, it's all it's all good time. It's all fun. Um, nobody's going to know anything till September anyway. So yeah. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wait to let people call us idiots then. <laughs> All right, that's Will Miles. You can find Will on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. And as we mentioned before, his work at ReadAndReaction.com. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to Gators Breakdown.